Welcome back. This is Simon Phillips and this is Leading the Field, the podcast where I interview people who are doing some great things in their lives. And what I try to understand is how did they get here? What were the steps along the way? What were the career shifts that they needed to make? Or maybe maybe it was about a shifting gear within those careers. Who knows? But the point is we can all learn something from these amazing guests that we're able to attract into the show. And today is no exception. It's Will Johnson all the way from the US. Will, now in your introduction, I know the US is a rather large place. So you can maybe share exactly where you are today. How are you doing? Doing great. How about yourself, Simon? Yeah, yeah, really good. It's sunny here, which is unusual. <laughs> well, it's a little overcast, which is pretty us- usual here in the uh, Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Okay, excellent. So Pacific Northwest, somewhere up near Seattle, that way? Yeah, I'm about 40 miles north of Seattle in a little town called Muckleteo. Muckleteo, well, there you go. So what's Muckleteo famous for? Well, the lighthouse that's actually right outside my window here. Uh, but there's, there's, a nice, <laughs> there's a nice beach. And just even the history of Muckleteo, it was um, a friendly gathering place. The, uh, the native people that lived in the area would come here and have gatherings and this was just a a beautiful place for them to be ah magic magic so will thank you for uh joining us what's your what's your current role what is it that you're up to oh wow uh just trying to don't don't go into all detail we'll we'll come back to the to the bits and pieces of the job later but just the headlines for now so my, my my major day role is i'm a director of equity and inclusion for a local school district that the town is actually Snohomish. Mm. Just really making sure all our students are safe and supported and have what they need for their academic success. Ah, oh, brilliant. Okay, fantastic. So what we get, what we like to do, Will, is to track it back. What's the origin story? Okay. Um, again, please don't feel that you have to give us the whole history, but maybe some highlights, decision points along the way for you that you feel, you know, looking back now, you can see how certain decisions helped you on your way or contributed to um, where you are today. So tell us a little bit about your history. Well, you know, it's it's interesting and I'm not shy. I feel free sharing all types of stuff, but I think back to when I was in school and I was Early on, um, one of these kids who, whenever I, I took a test, I would, you know, the tests were pretty easy. And whenever a lesson was given, I got it pretty easily. And so then they gave me a test to be in this program called the, the gifted program, you know. And so school just came easy for me. And I wasn't aware then that ju- that just wasn't the case for everyone. I just knew we were in different classes and, you know, we were just going through life. But then um, after high school, there were, the, the deeper story is by not really having to work hard to, to pass tests, I didn't really develop a, a work ethic to, to dig in and do hard work. So as the work got harder, I, I wasn't really quite sure of how to engage. So needless to say, my, my, my first stint at university did not go well. <laughs> <laughs> I was only at the university for a semester before deciding to join the army. And um, when I joined the army, it was there that I really kind of developed the habits of, of discipline and focus and strategy and about really getting, getting the mission done in the military that, 
kind of set the path for the rest of my life. Mm. And so when I got when I got out of the military, I realized I wanted to go back to school. Okay, and once I got into school, I'm hearing all of these conversations around how school isn't designed for everyone, or everyone can't be successful, or people don't have access to the same opportunities. And and I'm like, well, tell me more about this. What does this mean, and why haven't we fixed this? If there's a problem, why aren't we addressing it? Okay. And did did that surprise you because of your experience of just finding school easy? Had that experience almost blinded you to the fact that there was um, a lack of equity in terms of the opportunities between people? It, it, it did surprise me a little bit. And, I, and I'll also say that where I attended school, most people looked like me. And mm. the white students were the minority in my school. And when I saw pretty much everyone just having access to the same opportunities in my school and in my community, I would hear about it being different in other places, but that wasn't my life journey. Right. Okay. So been in the army, you've had this new understanding presented to you. So where did you take that? What did you do with that in the first years of your career? So in the army, I I was a medic. And what I often tell Mm. people is when you're a medic, you have to do your job like someone's life depends on it because it does. And so really that, that attention to detail, that, that caring for others, that, that showing up consistently, just always observing and being aware of a situation to be able to take action when it's needed. That, that, that kind of developed a lot of uh, my attitudes towards my, my career moving forward. Okay. Yeah. All right, then. So what do you think, So what, when you come out of the army then, what were the sorts of things you were weighing up in your mind as to what you might do next? Well, honestly, coming out of the Army when I did, this was back in uh, 2000, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life because I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue in the medical field as a civilian or what that might look like. When I was in the Army, along with being a medical specialist, um, I earned a a certification for emergency medical technician. I was trained in uh, advanced trauma life support, and so I could do those things, but it, it didn't really appeal to me to do emergency medicine. I wanted to do something that was that I felt was more supporting people in, in a different capacity. Mm. Uh, I actually saw myself, want, I wanted to go into physical therapy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, just, kind of, just, to, just to work with people in a different way. And then some college, some classes I started taking at the local community college really helped me to... Uh, change my mind about a science-based job or organic chemistry was not my friend at eight o'clock in the morning <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that there's a euphemism in there isn't it so oh the, yeah the course changed my mind right, right. <laughs> but, but while i was there um so the, when i when i returned to school after the military it was a totally different experience from when i initially went to school in georgia I actually viewed my return to school, not like school, but I'm in class and it's a conversation between me and the professor. Yeah. So I, I, I sat in the front of the class. I wasn't, I didn't want to be distracted by anything else around me. I wanted to learn what I needed to learn directly from the person facilitating the class. And that ended up to me, ended up with me getting a 4.0 GPA, uh, being invited to join the honor society. I decided to be in the Honor Society and become president of the Honor Society. (laughs) 
you know, because I wanted to really, you know, as I'm hearing about students not having opportunities, it's like, hey, look at me. I am a, an, a, an older adult returning to school and I'm president of the Honor Society. If I can do this, the, you know, the opportunities are available. And, and so I really worked on uh, promoting the organization and reaching out. And, and that's more what kind of led me into the role of wanting to connect with people in education and work to make sure that I was helping to provide opportunities and resources. It's a fascinating insight there in terms of the way you approached your college work. As you know, this show's powered by the GC Index. And when you and I had that conversation a little while back about the GC Index, you come out as a, a very powerful strategist implementer, very pragmatic minded. And, you know, the way you've approached your education there is the best way, the easiest way of doing this is to sit right in front of the professor and just engage with them one-on-one -on -one and I'm going to get the results that I'm after. There's no, everything else is almost like noise to you then right. because it's a real focus. Yeah. <laughs> so you've, you've made this discovery about yourself that you enjoy facilitating conversations and helping people to understand their their opportunities in life, if you like, and connect with each other and with, and also connect with that sort of higher purpose of, you know, this is why we're here. Um, was it therefore straightforward coming out of college into what you did next, or was there, <laughs> were there you know, some twists in the journey? Oh, there, there were absolutely twists in the journey. <laughs> because, and, and it's interesting to, 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 to reflect on this because when I was at uh, the school, it was Pierce College around here. And um, I, I remember being in the Honor Society and we did, you know, community outreach, community service. And I'm one of these people, like you said, I'm, I'm, I try to be strategic in what I do and, and purposeful in my work. And so I didn't want to do programs that were already in place. I wanted to meet some unmet need within our community. And so as I'm, as I'm searching the community to find what needed to be done and what organizations were in place, I found organizations that had been established that may or may not have been doing the work they set out to do, if that makes sense. And, and so, okay. with, so, so, so here's an organization in name that says, we're addressing food insufficiency, okay? And perhaps they started five years ago and they did some work during those first two years but due to participation or access to resources, things kind of faded off, okay? Mm. But then mm. I would also see about three or four other organizations doing the exact same thing that suffered the same fate. And I'm like, well, why didn't they just connect with one another? Were they, were yeah. they not communicating? Were they not? Were their missions not aligned? What's going on here that's, that's, that's putting us in a situation where we're not able to do the work that we set out to do? And so mm. uh, going back to what I was saying about originally wanting to do physical therapy, through this action of researching these community organizations, I changed my focus to communications because I really wanted to figure out a way to get people listening and speaking in a way that could help support whatever it is they're trying to accomplish. And so when I graduated from the University of Washington in Tacoma in 2008, that was a recession. <laughs> and so I wasn't able to get a job in the communications field doing the work that I wanted to do. Those were some of the, the positions that were being cut, or I was also competing with people who had 
master's degrees and years of experience. Like, hey, you have no experience. We're not going to hire you. And so I, I wanted to find something, but it, it was pretty difficult. I was connected to a local school district through uh, some volunteer work. Uh, and actually, it was a vol- yeah. volunteering on the diversity committee for the district. And okay, I'm, I'm thinking, wow, hey, can I can I get a job actually doing this? It's like, well, you don't have a teaching cert, you don't have an administrative <laughs> certification. So the only thing we really have for you is, you know, maybe you can volunteer as you might volunteer. You can become a substitute as a security guard or as a paraeducator, which is like a, like a, a teacher's aide, classroom assistant. Or you could be a tutor for this program that we have called AVID. And so I was like, okay, and I actually ended up doing all three of those until I could land something (laughs) that was solid, okay? Yeah. And so I actually ended up being a a paraeducator in what's called a life skills program. It's a special education program. And I worked specifically as a one-on-one support for a student who had autism, okay? And this student was nonverbal, extremely aggressive, and they, they figured because of my size, I know you can't really see me on the screen, but I'm, I'm not a small guy <laughs> because of my <laughs> size that I would help to keep this, this student safe as well as others. And it's like, well, hmm. it's, it's not about the size. Reflecting back on my, my experience with my, my degree program was about communication. The kid was having yeah. these behaviors because he wasn't able to communicate. And so again, again it goes back to how do I now provide some sort of access for the student to be more successful uh, in, in his academic journey? But, and that was kind of that, yeah. that twist to uh, begin my, my educational career uh, to get me to, on the trajectory where I am now. Makes a lot of sense. And you know, what you're doing there, you're joining the dots. You can see where certain yeah. things need to come together. And that's why the communication role is perfect. Mm-hmm. Because you know, to communicate effectively, you've got to think about all the different stakeholders involved. You've got to think right. about all the different activities that they're involved in and where this communication fits. Otherwise, it's not going to be heard, is it? Right. And I think uh, you know, that's one thing I've noticed where in my interactions with you over the um, the last year or so is that there's always an understanding of the context. There's always a, a clarity around what it is we're trying to achieve and where we're mm-hmm. going to go with that. And I think that must be, you know, what what they've benefited from there in that initial bit of work you were doing. So you're doing three jobs. You're um, you're you know you're trying to land some some sort of on something that's going to feel as if it's got some real substance to it. So what's what's now, what's the thought process now? Because some people start to feel a bit overwhelmed when they're just, you know, they're running from pillar to post and it's not very clear for them what they're doing next and how they can make the, you know, the, the leap forward, if you like. How did you tackle that? Well, we have to add a couple more jobs in there too. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> because of my size, uh, <laughs> working in a, in, a, in a public school, Hey, do you want to be a football coach? <laughs> so I, started, uh, I was I was working as a, a volunteer coach. Then also because of my background in communications, I was uh, coaching speech and debate. So, ah. <laughs> so so I actually ended up dropping the the tutoring role and the security role to be a paraeducator, okay. uh, a football coach, and a debate coach. So going back to my <laughs> my role with the with being a paraeducator. Our, uh, mm. our district administrator saw the work that I was doing and she's like, well, 
you need to get your teaching cert. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I never wanted to be a classroom teacher. <laughs> I, actually, I think years before that, I was saying, um, no, I, I don't think I ever want to teach. But I do have to say, when I went to school in Georgia, right out of high school, I remember talking to my counselor and he told me there are two fields where you know you will always have a job. That's medicine and education. So when I was at Georgia State University, my plan was to eventually get into the teaching program. But then I okay. But then I actually saw on TV the special about special education. This was in the early 90s. Okay, so like 92 or so. Uh, and there was a special and they were talking about uh, in the classrooms how students would, would potentially have meltdowns or, you know, they, they'd hit teachers and staff or, I mean, all types of things. And I'm like, no, I don't want a job where I'm going to be hit and attacked by kids every day. And that's not the reality. It doesn't happen every day. It does happen. But I, I did not want to do that. And so, you know, that yeah. led to me being a medic in the Army. So I did the education, medic, did not want to be a teacher. But now here I am in this role where this person is telling me, you, you're doing a good job at this in, 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 in your capacity. You need to be the teacher of a classroom to where you're, you're writing these plans for students. You're providing this support. You can do this. And so I have to say. And you know what, Will? There's something really powerful that the listeners could pick up from, from your story here. You didn't have it all mapped out. Oh, no. You didn't have it all really clear as to where you want to go. So you just got involved and you did something. You took some action. And you tried some things. And that's the thing that, you know, I quite often say to people who are unclear, just try a bunch of different things because in the process, especially if you commit to those things that you're trying, mm -hmm. um, you will actually discover something that you're good at. And quite often it's somebody else who sees it before you. But nevertheless, if you're applying yourself, you will discover some things about yourself and about some of the things that you like to do and who knows where that will then lead. And in your case, you know, it's obviously leading on to a teaching certification. Right. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How long did that take? Oh, that was a, a two-year program, two years uh, master's okay. program. Uh, but it was great because already being connected um, with the school district, with the work I was doing with this particular student, they're like, we, we want to keep well here. And so... Yeah. Uh, let's rewind back to 2000, 2001, when I first arrived in Washington. And one of the big struggles for me was Washington and Oregon were competing for, for unemployment, number one and number two. <laughs> and it's like, wow, mm -hmm. it's like the worst place to try to find a job. And I didn't really have any skills at that time. Fast forward to 2011, yeah. where I've just earned my teaching cert. And it's a matter of which district will I work for? You know, because I, I had a couple offers on the table and I was able to, to, to work in the community where I was living because of the work I had previously done. Brilliant. Brilliant. So if you sort of think about then sort of last 10, 12 years mm. with that teaching certification, have you always just done teaching or have there been other avenues that have opened up for you as a result of, you know, just the the general things that you're interested in supporting? That's a good question. And so I'll go back to, I, I, it feels like every role that I've been in, I've had an opportunity 
to take on some sort of, of leadership role. Not that I've pursued it, but just in the sense of here I am in this role, here are the things, here's the way I, I, I work in a setting, here's the things that, that maybe it's the vision, the connecting with people. I tend to end up in some sort of leadership capacity. And so yep. going back to, you know, leadership in the military, leadership in my, my college organizations, I was also our ASB president at UW Tacoma, University of Washington Tacoma. But anyway, so I, I started teaching and I was only in the classroom about two years before I was approached again by district administration saying, hey, you need to consider being a principal. And I was like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> year. And I, I look at our principals, wow, the jobs that they have. And I'm like, I don't know if I necessarily want to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if, if I go into a leadership role, I, I would like to support principals from the district level. But I don't know if I really want to be a principal. Sorry, principals. I love you, but I didn't want to do that job. Um, so, but people would tell me, they're like, you know, most people who work at the district office have been principals. So that you're an assistant principal, you're a principal, then you go to the district office. And I was like, okay, well, if that's what I've, I've got to do, if that's the path I need to walk, then I'll do that. And so I signed up for a program. Um, again in my second year of teaching to earn um, an ed leadership certification and due to some some life stuff that was going on i was married at the time no longer married but i, I decided to focus on family instead of progressing in my career and yeah the, the family situation didn't work out as i would have liked for it to at that time um but i i decided to not do school and so mm. i actually spent the next couple years just trying to, you know, get my feet underneath myself and, and stay afloat in life. Cause you know, I was still, I was then teaching and coaching football and just on my own. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a little tough, but it wasn't until I would say almost five years later, as I was cleaning out a box, I realized I, I found my letter of where I applied to the, the leadership program and that I was accepted into it. I'm like, wait a minute. I was supposed to be doing something different five years ago. This is why I feel kind of frustrated and lost. And so I immediately reached out to someone saying, hey, I need to get in this program and move on to the next step of my journey in education. Nice. And, and it's amazing some of those things you find, if you just keep hold of them, <laughs> they disappear and then they reemerge almost at the, the, the exact time that you need them to, to give you that kick up the backside to go and <laughs> get moving again. So fast forward then, you've been through the, the principal, the leadership training, you've been through that sort of principal route. So what were the, what were sort of the, the decision points, if you like, to go from there in your story to the point at which you're in this current role? And then we'll get into the detail of this current role because I know that it means a lot to you. So mm. what are the key sort of um, decision points along the way? Okay. <laughs> This is like the beauty <laughs> part of the story. No. So this would have been 2018, what I'm actually mm -hmm. now in the program, working on my, my ed leadership certification. So, so I'm, I'm doing that. And I, I found an opportunity where I could be an administrator for, for special education programs 
uh, in a in a different in a different district where I was working. So I've, I've moved districts yeah. this time. I started in a district down south. I worked there for a couple of years. Worked as a consultant for a uh, 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 the University of Washington in, in this program called the Whole Child Initiative. So we're really looking at how do we support everything a student needs: social, emotional learning, academics, behavior. And that led to me being a behavior interventionist in a school district. And so when I sought out a role as a district administrator, again, it was for special ed, focusing on behaviors and how we're supporting those student needs. I did that for, well, I started that job in 2019. And so we all know what happened during that school year, COVID. (laughs) And, And so it was really interesting because of course, that being my first year as a district administrator, I'm just like, well, you know, we, we lead, this is what we do. We figure it out. And so yeah, not a lot of breaks that year, a lot of hard work, a lot of focus, a lot of, a lot of learning, a lot of growing. And so I'm already in this role. And during the course of that year, one of my colleagues who was actually serving in um, an equity and inclusion role, she expressed to me that she was planning to pursue a a superintendent type of job. So her job would be open at the end of the year. And she said, you should definitely apply for my job. And I'm like, well, well, wait a minute. (laughs) It's like, you're, you're, you're on the, you're on the superintendent's cabinet. You're, you're an executive director. You, you, you have a pretty large role. I'm a first year administrator. That's, that's, that's huge (laughs) to say that I should do this in my first year, but if you see this in me and I believe I could do it, and there are other people who like cheering me on, hey, let's let's make this happen. And so I um I applied for the job and I was pleasantly surprised when I was called for an interview. <laughs> and so I I I I you know you know did my hair <laughs> nice and you know did I put a whole lot of energy into that interview, you know? And so um, I, I thought it went well, but then I did get the call that I was not selected as a finalist to move on. And it was, it was kind of inflating because I, you know, to, to see, to feel like that was a role that was, that was meant for me because it was actually a combination between equity and inclusion and communications. So I was like, wow, this, mm-hmm. this is perfect. Yeah. I'm just agreeing with you. That that does sound like the perfect mix. So 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 yeah, didn't get that role, and now what's happening underneath the surface? Because I know we're talking about you know things you know professional with my career. My 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 dad he had a Parkinson's, and his health had been declining mm. for years. And right before my interview, my mom called me and said, "Hey, you know he he's not eating. He's not doing well," and so. You know, we're going to go to the hospital and, you know, make sure, you know, do whatever we can at this point. And there was a little bit of radio silence as I'm preparing for this interview, you know, both on her part and on mine. But it was like right after I found out um, that I wasn't selected as a finalist, my mom said, "Okay, well, I didn't want to distract you from this interview that you were having because I knew this was big for you. But she let me know that my dad passed away on Mother's Day, right before I interviewed. And that was, that was tough. That was really tough, you know. 
Yeah. And so, you know, it was it was hard to work through. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I, I got to get home. And she's like, no, don't, don't, don't come home because, you know, it's COVID. And, you know, she, she had mm. health issues and she didn't want, you know, me to possibly bring something to her or from something happened to me traveling and just make that whole 2020 worse than really it was. Yeah, that was a really tough time, right, it? especially right. in those extreme examples like yours where there was an absolute necessity almost to want to be together with family and and mm-hmm. you know just wasn't possible yeah and 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 if we're paying attention to the time here you know around mother's day this is happening let's fast forward to the end of may and the things that happened at that point because that's also when george floyd was killed and then we received mm-hmm. news about ahmaud aubrey and brianna taylor and you know ahmaud aubrey uh, if you're familiar with that story he was the guy who uh was in a neighborhood in, in Georgia where I'm from originally. I'm not from that neighborhood, but from the state. But he, you know, he's yeah. jogging in this community, and he's confronted by these people who who shoot him in in the streets. And I'm like, wow! So you can't even jog through the neighborhood right now. And I'm looking at my wow. neighborhood, which is mostly white, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't even want to go outside. <laughs> I don't like mm-hmm. what's going on here. And but with all those events that happened during that month or during that time period and not getting that role about around equity and inclusion, I told myself, okay, nope, this time next year, I will be in a role like this where I can do this work. Wow. Yeah. And, and making that decision, if you like, I mean, what's the thought process you go through? Cause we, you often hear about people setting goals and you know, that that's how they, they move themselves forward but that that sounds almost like there's an extra level going on there in terms of your commitment to that right well thank you for saying that and i think it even goes back to what you're saying about being strategic because for me i i always try to be that person that shows up for people and so Mm. i when i decided this was what i wanted to do I'm, I'm, I'm pulling out the little black book, even though you don't have anyone's all on your cell phone. <laughs> I'm pulling up all these numbers and it's like, hey, I want you to know, here's what I'm looking for. And people are like, oh my God, well, you'd be great at that. You know, let's, let's see what we can find out and where something's gonna open up and we'll do whatever we can to help make sure that happens. And so I can't say that I did this on my own. It was through connections with people and the reputation I had of showing up and following through where people were like, okay, um, here's an opportunity here. Here's an opportunity here. What looks good for you? And the willingness to ask. Yes. Because it takes some courage to say to people that know you're not doing that already, that know that you've got this, if I'm right, administrative job that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you're telling them, I want to be heading up this, I want to be doing that, and I want to create this. And so that takes an element of courage to step out because some people might fear that others may laugh at them or others may discount their thinking. Mm -hmm. But you had that courage to share that with people and ask and you got the response that you were looking for. Right, right. Yeah, thank thank you for acknowledging that. And, you know, one of the things I talk about in the the work that I do is just the the power of relationships because... Mm -hmm. When you when you just said it now, it made me think about oh yeah, that was pretty courageous, 
And at the same time, I had built relationships with these people. So for me, it just felt like, well, this is just what we do. We, 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 we reach out to each other. But I, 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 will, yeah. I will own there was some hesitation when I'm thinking, oh, hey, I'm going to reach out to this group of teachers now that I worked with to hear about opportunities as an administrator, you know, and it's like, hold up, why is an administrator calling a teacher? It's like, because you, you know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow, fantastic. Okay. So as you say, it's, uh, it's crunch time then in your career. So you've reached out. People now know what you're trying to achieve. Did you get there within the year? And if so, how, how did it all come about? So, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I'll have to add another layer to this too. For anybody listening, I, I would say check out a, a documentary called What Happened on First Street. Uh, and it, mm-hmm. it details uh, some events that happened around some, some, some demonstrations with, with George Floyd and some people who communicated they just wanted to protect their community. I'm not putting any judgments out on anybody of what went down or how it went down, but what happened on First Street is something to check out. But when I saw, nope, I can't, because the documentary came out later. When I saw on the news what was happening in that community, I told myself, I'm never going to that community. (laughs) Because if we have people who will show up with rifles and Confederate flags saying pretty much not in my town. I don't, I don't mm. feel safe there, but that's where I work now. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm connected with some people who are in that community. And so when I told them I'm looking for this type of work, they're like, well, come here. We we're, we're creating a position. You could come in, you can build it from the ground up and, Hey, if you're interested, it's here for you. And I was like, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) Your bluff has been called. Right, right. It's like, hey, I'm a go-getter. I want to go and make things happen. And you want me to do what, where? And so, so, you know, I I applied. I was invited to interview. um, Had a community panel that I addressed. Was invited back for a final interview was was offered the job, accepted the job, and I accepted the job pretty close to the anniversary of my dad passing. <laughs> well done you. Yep, so within yeah, the year, yeah. got it done. Brilliant, thank you, Will. That's a, that's a tremendous story. And so, just to wrap up then, tell us a little bit about the difference that you're trying to make there right now and, and you know how it's all coming together. Mm. I think that the, the, the easiest way to sum it up is, is with three A's, awareness, attitude, and application, or action, I should say, because, you know, it's, it's a struggle for me when I think about, you know, my life journey, um, and there, there were absolutely things I was not aware of, but I, I'm aware of American history. <laughs> Um, and I'm aware of a lot of the negative impacts on certain communities. And so when I, when I talk with people or I'm around people and I hear, well, we don't have to do anything different for, for groups because everybody should just have the same. And it's like, oh, no, no, this is, mm. we, we, we need to take a deeper look at what's going on. So, so awareness, making people more aware of 
how our history has impacted our current state. Okay. Yeah. And to, to really look at that and understand it. And I mean, we don't need to go into all the details because, ooh, that's, it's, it's, ah, it's horrible. Mm. But to the depth that we need to go for an individual, we, we can go there. But it's like awareness yeah. of people being impacted by the history of our country. And then now, how does that impact our attitude around how we support others? And now taking that attitude into action to ensure that, hey, I understand that your family has some generational trauma. I understand that, you know, you, you haven't had access to certain things for, for what for a multitude of reasons. As a, as a person with a school, no, I can't provide that to you. However, I can now connect you to resources and information and possibly work even address some policy to have those opportunities more accessible to the various communities that need them. Yeah, that's stunning. So where's next? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like I want to take my show on the road. <laughs> Um, Good for you. Yeah, it's like I I really love where I am right now. And I've been Mm. told that I can't leave. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's good. It's good to be be wanted. It's good to be valued for for what I bring. And at the same time, it's so painful to to watch the news or or hear reports of things happening, whether it's in neighboring communities or, or other states or even throughout the world about how we're just still not showing up for each other like we can. And and, yeah. and, and we're, we're not being our, our authentic selves. That's part of the training that I do where it's really about, okay, let's, let's pause for a second because, you know, it's a whole big world out there and different needs and concerns, but to stop and, and look in the mirror for a second and really understand who I am, how am I showing up? What, what are, what are my needs? What are my wants? What is my voice? What am I passionate about? What are my skills? What can I contribute? What do I want to, what do I want to see as a result of the work that I do? If I can acknowledge these things and we're not hurting people, okay? If I can acknowledge these things, how do I now communicate that and get that out into the world? And the things that I don't have, or I, I, I may need to grow in those areas, who are the people that I connect with that can now be a part of my team? So I don't feel like I have to do yeah. it alone. So I don't feel like there are these, these gaps, these deficits. We can connect and join together to accomplish whatever it is that we're setting out for and, and being clear on what that is. And so if you go to our district webpage, I keep telling people this because, you know, when I first started, they're like, well, well, if you're coming in here talking about race, it's really going to divide the community. I'm like, why? That's something that's your own hang up right there. If race is the thing that's going to have you, you know, wanting to run to the hills. But on our website, I'm like, no, I'm really about when we talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Okay. And, you know, going from our, our basic biological needs to self-actualization, there's another hierarchy that I, I, I came across this, the, the, the Blackfoot people and their hierarchy of needs. The bottom is self-actualization and the top is cultural perpetuity. And I've placed it on our website. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not hiding it from anybody. How do we have our culture able to sustain itself? 
because right now what we're doing is not sustainable. Love it. Love it. I, and do you know what? I was just thinking as you were saying that, because you and I are connected, aren't we, via the work that we do with a human workplace mm -hmm. where we're trying to encourage organizations to create workplaces in which people can um, support each other through love rather than through fear. Mm -hmm. And as if they do that, they will create a culture that is self-sustaining. Mm -hmm. And that's so much aligned to the work that you're doing there. You know, can you, can you create that cultural perpetuity by helping people understand principles mm -hmm. and understand fundamentals rather than getting into the nitty gritty because people can work that stuff out for themselves can't they if they they understand what we're trying to achieve the why right. which comes back again to your strategist mindset of let's get clear on the why we're doing this and then you know we don't have to figure out all the how right exactly yeah love it will <laughs> You've been a superstar. Thank you very much for for talking us through that process. But also, you know, I just can wish you every success with this continuing mission of yours because I'm sure that there's a lot more areas that you could um, make a huge impact. So keep looking out there and keep pushing it because, uh, you know, and challenging those people around you that just want to hold on to you into that small space because there's so much uh, that you can do. Um now, well, nobody gets off leading the field without contributing to the uh, to the playlist. So, what track has maybe inspired you in the past? Has maybe followed you through the years? You tell us a story and tell us uh, which track you've chosen to add to the leading the field playlist. Do, do I only get one? You just get one. Oh. Sorry, pal. <laughs> uh, that that would be my question. Can I have six, maybe? I don't because one of the things I'm looking at even for next year, I, I want to do a training and I, I keep thinking like having people do their top 10 just to get people to know a little bit more about them. But then as I'm thinking about my top 10, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm going to go with, with Casey Kasem in the weekly top 40. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, so, so quick story and then I'll pick my one. Okay. Okay. Because this, when you, when you ask me the question... I wrote down a song, but I'm, I'm not going to do that one. I wrote down the song that I did because of a, a program that we established in, in one of the school districts where I worked. It's all about positive behavior interventions and supports. And so our, our mascot was the, the Viking. Okay. Mm. And we're like, how do we find something positive about Vikings? <laughs> right, right. But, but so we decided, well, we asked the question, how do Vikings get to where they're going? And it's like, well, they, they sail. And so we we, yeah. we came up with the, the, we broke down the letters to say that our students solve problems, achieve success, inspire others, and live healthy. Okay. Oh, and so nice. one of our theme songs, anything that had sailing in it was, <laughs> was something that we would play. And it's like, yeah, we're sailing. And so um, Enya's Oronaco Flow, whenever I hear that, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's the song. And I just get motivated by it. And it's just awesome. But that's not the song I'm going with. Okay. <laughs> Every, everybody's at home going, oh, hold on, Orinoco Flow. It's, it's the, the bits in the brackets that you're on about. Isn't that Sail Away, isn't it? Right, sail Away, right, right. Sail Away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so going back to when I was in high school, our football team made it to the state championship. 
that was the only game we lost. But during the, the pep assembly, um, the local radio station came out, presented us with this huge trophy as we were preparing to go to the state championship. Don't give the trophy before the championship. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so they come out and they're pumping us up. And there was a song that was super popular at that time in, in our area. And the name of the group is Sounds of Blackness. And okay. the song is Optimistic. I'm just making a note of that. Fantastic. And it stuck with you? Do you just keep coming back to it? This is the song that I will play just, just in general because it's one of those upbeat songs. And it's like, you know, as long as you keep your head to the sky, you can win. <laughs> yes it's it's just nice. it's it's a it's a powerhouse it's what like 30 yeah, over 30 years old now and you know still whenever i hear it it's like okay everybody just stop we're playing this song <laughs> <laughs> yeah brilliant well i haven't heard that one before so i'm looking forward to to listening to that one if it's recommended by you i'm sure it's going to be fab well, so, that's another... so we'll um oh, go ahead no go on oh, that's, that's another that's, that's another important thing because you know, and, and and I know you can relate with the whole DJ thing. When we when we're introducing songs, can we introduce new music to people? We're like, oh wow, because I'm, I'm sure with Inya, and you say everybody knows a sail away, sail away, sail away. <laughs> but yeah, who, who knows often? No, this is great. To, it's great to introduce new stuff because that just takes people down a whole new um, path, and it could lead to all sorts. So yeah, looking forward to that one. Thank you, Will. Thank you so much for, for coming on and being such a great guest with, uh, with all the stories there. And to provide that inspiration, because I think there are elements of your story that have revealed themselves once you've made the decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, you've made the decision, this is where I'm going to go next. And then things reveal themselves to you. And you've done that a couple of times in your career in a very practical way well, I need to earn money at this point in my life or I need to help solve this problem at another point in your career. And it's like, I think that your action, if you like, has created an impetus in the universe around you to say, right, okay, let's make make this happen. And I love that. Thank you. So thank you. Thank you so much. And um, enjoy. You said it was a national holiday over there at the moment. It is, yes. Oh, remind me which day we're recording it's, this. It's Memorial Day. Memorial Day, that was the one. Yes. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you for taking time out and showing up, as they say, and, <laughs> uh, and, and you know, making this a, a, a great conversation. So thanks, Will. We will no doubt catch up again soon. For and sure. um, yeah. how can people get hold of you if, if you if they'd like to find out more about what you're doing? Maybe they'll be, you know, we do have a bit of an audience all over the all over the world. So if there's people that want to get hold of you, um, how can they do that? That's, that's a good question. I think that the, the best way is on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn, my, uh, my, you can find me just as Will Johnson, W-I-L, 1-L. But then also Leadership EQ is, is my, my LLC that I have. So if you look Will Johnson, LL, Leadership EQ, LinkedIn, you can find me. And I, I, I accept most people, but you know, send me a message. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant okay thanks will thank you